Welcome to building a hundred million pound business in public. Four years ago, I was having lunch with my friend Logan when we half joked about racing to a hundred million. And it's always stayed in my head. What does it take to build a hundred million pound business? On this podcast, I ask my network and speak to VCs, founders, DNI specialists, marketeers, and more to share their top tips. Some have made it, some are on the way, and all have a story to tell. Well, I'd like to welcome today uh, Matt from our community. Welcome, Matt. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Perhaps you'd like to start by introducing yourself. Yeah, so I'm Matt Baird. I've been in recruitment now for nine years and a part of the community for two and a half months already, which has absolutely flown by. I specialise in social housing recruitment. It's been one of the key passions of mine, um, not just from a recruitment side, but from generally the 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 kind of commercial head, social heart kind of side of business uh, absolutely resonates with me. Um, based in Birmingham at the moment, um, down in South Birmingham. I've been around here for about 10 years. And yeah, as I say, joined the community a couple of months ago. So far, it's going really, really well. Excellent. And what, and what was it in the sort of when you first started? What was it that drew you to the community? So I'd worked for a number of agencies. I felt there were... KPIs that maybe weren't um I think sometimes the way that you're targeted, the way the metrics work, just don't necessarily suit the individual. When you're learning, when you're growing through recruitment, when you're learning the basics, absolutely those things are vital. But when it gets to a stage where you are more of a relationship partner, where you are more of a relationship builder, the way metrics are count uh, are targeted um don't necessarily don't necessarily suit everybody. I wasn't somebody that passionate about management. I wasn't somebody who wanted to necessarily grow a big team and, and and go down that route. I enjoy recruitment. I enjoy what I do. Um, and I wanted the freedom to be able to do it. But I also didn't feel the need to be in the office all the time. I didn't feel mm. the need to, like I say, uh, be, be be kind of tied with the same brush as everybody in the business. So if the whole team's doing well, everyone's great. If one person's underperforming, the whole team needs to do better and, and all that kind of thing, really. Um, mm. And I wanted to be able to work in better partnership with clients that I brought on. So rather than be somebody who was excellent at building a relationship and then trusting that process then to somebody very junior who's still learning their way and is going to make mistakes, I, I didn't. It didn't sit well with me. I wanted to be able to properly service those clients that I, that I built the trust with and that I said I could help. Um, mm. And District Four gave me the chance to do that. Well, it's just something quite interesting there, Matt, around this idea of do, doing it differently and being the individual and it, and it feels as we're trying to do is, is build a community of people that are sort of experts but can do their own thing how, how does that apart from sort of cape not having kpis i think for people listening to this is the idea that we're trying to try and trying to do it differently so no management individual experts how does how else does that sort of come to play day to day week to week oh it's huge it's, it's absolutely huge like the last few days i've had a number of vacancies come on, so I've worked longer days. There have been times where, you know, I've uh, my, my brother came up a couple of weeks ago. He was only up for an afternoon. I didn't need to sign it off with anybody, didn't need to do anything. I made sure my work was done and I made sure I had time to do so and I was able to just go and spend some time with him. The freedom that it gives you just to be able to, to do the job properly. So in terms of working with clients as well, you know, I don't need to sit there and kind of go, actually, I feel it's a good idea to go and meet this client. The mm. return on investment may not be immediate. It might not be, I'm going to get something this month. But I know that actually that's a good relationship to cultivate. 
I'm running the round tables and I'm not sitting there kind of going, oh, that's fine. But now people are watching me and wondering whether or not actually what I'm doing is going to turn it into money for them. No, these are things I enjoy doing. I feel they're going to bring benefit to my business as well as to everyone else out there. So why wouldn't I do it? And, and you find things that you enjoy. You gravitate towards the areas of the job that you like doing, but also have to balance that with evidently being commercially successful. And that's where the community side of it came in for me, because you've got a community there of experts who, when things are great, will lift you. When things are tough, will lift you. Um, and we'll share ideas and share thoughts. And obviously, Lengway and I partnered on a, on a roundtable a couple of weeks ago on diversity and inclusion, because we used a joint expertise. Mm. There was no, oh, are you okay with that? Do I need to clear with my manager? Is that okay with you? What are you? None of that is going, look, I've got this idea. Do you want to see if we can make it work? Yes. Mm. And you just have that complete trust because you trust yourself. You know, you've known what you've done for a long time. I speak to a lot of recruiters who've lost their confidence, I think, because they've come to be gone. No, that's great. But what more can you do? What more can you do? What more can you do? Without sometimes sitting back and going, actually, what you've done has been brilliant and probably enough. You know, mm. You've done enough for you. You've done enough for the business. And thank you for doing it. And sometimes I think those thank yous are, are hard to come by. Um, whereas when yourself and you get that from a client who's turned around to you and gone, look, everything you've done, we're, we're delighted with the service and we'd absolutely use you again. That's on you. That's not saying they'll work with your business again. That's saying they want to work with you again. And that's a huge, mm. a huge, a huge win. And something that I think goes forward with anybody who joins the community because you, it is all personal success. And interesting, you said that you felt that almost the freedom leads to being more successful rather than less. Because I think absolutely. a lot of us come from backgrounds where it's kind of like you need to manage you need to be managed. Like if you don't watch people, you won't get the outcome. But it feels like you're saying the opposite, which is trust and freedom leads to greater performance. Hugely so. And I think there is a level of self-accountability that you have to give. And I think anybody going down this route the first time for themselves will have good days and bad days early on with that. I know sometimes there are days that, as we've all had in every job, we've woke up and gone, I just don't want to work today. There's no one to hold me to account. There's no one to go where well, you have to come in. If I choose not to work, I choose not to work. Mm. But your clients will notice and your reputation will be noticed and your service delivery will be noticed. So it's up to you on, on how you want that to look and what message you want to put out to the, to the world with you and your business. But absolutely, the, the freedom to kind of go, you know, I'm far more of a morning person, far better in the mornings than I'm in the afternoon. So my clients, a lot of them are public sector. So a lot of my clients as well, you know, their businesses, whilst they may not stop working, their businesses will stop working at half five, six o'clock. So I don't need to be working at 7, 8 p.m. unless I feel it's necessary because there's a particular role I'm trying to work on or there's only that time I can get a meeting in. And having that flexibility to do things my way, you are so much more productive because you're not in the inane team meetings that your contribution of might be two minutes, but the meeting lasts an hour. You're mm -hmm. not in those strategy meetings that you're told are so important and you put forward a load of ideas and then actually don't come to fruition if you have a strategy and you're thinking this will work go for it try it out mm. you you are completely empowered by yourself and like i said whilst that isn't for everybody i think for those that the community attracts and for those that are interested in a different way of recruitment couldn't recommend it enough and, and have done mm. regularly to a number of people mm. so if, if, if this way you think is more effective why do you think it's so often done the other way? If, if freedom leads to greater performance, in your view, why are so many businesses based around this idea that almost command and control? Really good question. I think 
history breeds history, as it were. So when you look at a lot of, um, and like I said, this isn't me saying all, but a lot of managers, senior managers, execs, directors of particularly smaller independent businesses have, have been ex-recruitment consultants and have been very, very successful. Mm. They have been taught and been managed and been micromanaged and been hit on the head with a stick, hypothetically, um, and you know had, had their knuckles rasped and all the rest of it and gone out and proven them wrong and fought back against those who said they couldn't do it and, 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 and love those glory days. Um, and we'll talk about the good times and bad times, but they only recall them the good times, really, as we always do. You look back with a positive light. And mm-hmm. so because it worked for them, they're kind of, they, they look at every, everybody who's, who's doing well or who's, who's um, performing badly or performing well, whatever that might look like. And, and instead of looking necessarily at the individual, they'll look purely at the financial side of it because, they're, because it's their own money. So they mm-hmm. have to. And you just get caught in this spiral where it all becomes about the bottom line rather than the performance. I, I was with a business who they'd had a fantastic, absolutely brilliant retained consultant. She was their highest running retained consultant, was doing brilliantly, then had two, three bad months and was let go. Mm. And during the pandemic, she was placing retained roles, had some excellent relationships, but then the micromanagement came down and the coach came down and going, and it was big open conversations in the office, and yet you could see the tone change whenever it was her, her chance to report on something. And she was by no means their worst performer, but you felt, you felt the tone change. Mm. And it just made you question why. It's because, like I say, people fall out of favour, whatever, whatever that might look like. But I think immediately, the second people start asking for more, more freedom, more money, more salary, whatever it will be, immediately there's almost like a question of greed and people go, no, we'll, we'll, we'll pay you instead through commission, just bill more and you'll get paid more. But actually a lot of the commission structures out there aren't very good. Mm. And so people get frustrated and, and, and the cycle continues. Mm. Why do people stick in that? I think from a consultant perspective, it's very nice to have a guaranteed salary each month. You know what you're getting. If you're good, you will perform and you are given more time um, because they've seen you what you've done in the past and it's safe. It's very safe. It's easy. It's it can be quite enjoyable. You have colleagues. You can build a team, and it's what you know. Stepping away from that, stepping into your own. I mean, it's not for everyone anyway, and and I wouldn't profess it to be. But I think for your clients, for your candidates, and for everybody else that you the work in partnership with, it's a hundred percent the way it should be going. Um, mm. And it's it's great to see that it is. So what, I, what I'm hearing there is this idea that it can be more effective. But also this idea of like accountability, I suppose you said, like that there's a safety net to being working for someone else. There's frustrations, but a safety net. If you're working for yourself, you talk about this idea of like being accountable to yourself and accountable to your clients. So working for someone else might suit some people and this model might suit some people. But what what would you say are the are the markers people should look for to say this is the model that would work for them? So I mean it comes down to what what incentivizes you anyway. Um, I mean, that is a big, big part of it. For me, I wanted freedom. I wanted, um, in terms of freedom, I, I, I mean, the days I work, the hours I work, where I work and, and, and those sort of things. And that's not to say I wanted to slack off. I'm saying I don't want to be driving to an office every day if I don't need to. It's freedom financially. So I wanted to earn a lot more. And that was a big, big part of it. You know, for me, I, I want to be by my own house. I want to be, there are a number of things I want to achieve over the next few years. 
financially I needed to earn a lot more um, than was always on the table with with agencies, which I feel you do. Although there's always no cap, there's quite often a line that you get to that actually it's quite difficult to get beyond that unless mm-hmm. you're working for a very large tech agency or something like that, or you specialize in an area where there are massive fees. But it was also, you know, when I look at the people that this would suit, the, the, the biggest objection I've had when speaking to people has been, yeah, but you've got no salary in this kind of thing. And I say to people, well, look what you've built over the last year. Look what you've, look what you've taken home. Okay, so 70% of that is now yours. And uh, you get that moment of people going, yeah, that would be nice. And I'm going, okay, so take into account they might take a couple of months for you to get back up and running, um, to get a new client on or whatever it will be. Um, or for people who've stepped out of recruitment for, say, six months, you've got your old clients you can look at again. What's stopping you getting those? You know, if those relationships were there, or maybe they bought in more to the agency than to you. Okay, well, then look at the teams that you've worked with. If, if somebody's been on your team for five, six years and they've left, has that client stayed or was it a real battle to keep them because they got the relationship with the, with the consultant rather than with the agency? And it's these kind of questions that come through and make you kind of realise, actually, you know what, I'm, I, I can do a lot more here for my clients, for my candidates and for myself. And mm-hmm. the biggest feedback I've had from candidates, and I mean there's actual candidates, over the last few months since starting has been that they've just felt that the message I'm putting out there is far stronger um, mm. because I'm because it's my own brand that I'm tying it to. And I don't mean that in terms of what we're saying. I mean, in terms of my passion for social housing. And for my clients, they've said that the level of uh, care and attention they feel they've received has gone up tenfold. Mm. Now, that's because I'm able to dedicate my day to looking at their roles or looking at their vacancies or getting to know who they are. Rather than going, okay, well, in two hours, we've got a meeting on this. In three hours, we've got a meeting on this. Tomorrow, I've got to make sure I'm around. And I can't go meet someone tomorrow because I'll miss the weekly meeting to do with what the whole office is doing. Mm. I I can see that on a spreadsheet. I I can have that. Mm. You guys know where I am. I know where I am. Why do I need to do a 45-mile round trip to come into an office for essence, you know, for half an hour? But your presence brings so much to the office. You say it does, but actually... The way the office is being run, it, it doesn't matter. Um, mm. What I'm delivering is the important part. You know, when I have my end of month review, it isn't on what I'm bringing to the office. It's it comes down to financials. So if I can do better for you financially with a more flexible working model, allow me to have it. But there's there's that lack of trust. And I suppose when you're putting your own money into something, I get it. You know, I, if I looked at hiring someone, I'd be having the exact same questions: going, can I? Is that going to be doing at the right level? Is this going to be okay? So I don't need to right now. I'm not intending to anytime soon because I'm delivering on what my clients' needs and wishes are. And I don't need to be a big agency with 30, 40 clients. I want 10 to 15 clients that I know well, that know me, that when they're looking to recruit, have that complete trust and might need two or three people each a year. And when you break mm-hmm. it down that small, your earning potential is so much higher. Your level of service is so much higher because you're working on 40 jobs a year. Anybody can do that in recruitment, but can they do it really, really well? And so, therefore, you then have to deliver on what you say you, uh, on what, on like say, on, on what you're saying you're going to deliver, and keep doing that. And it's the the word of mouth flows. So we're saying it's, it's, it's the sort of expert community model where empower it actually leads not only to a better experience for the member of the community, but very much for the customers of the community in terms of clients and candidates. Hugely so. I know that if something came in in the DNI space, 
then I'd be incredibly passionate about getting those roles filled. But Lengway would be our person to go to because that he knows the candidates best. If something came in on our trades and labour side, as it has done recently, myself and um, obviously one of, our, one of our guys, Ian, in our community, something came through. We had a joint meeting. Now, that didn't come to fruition because, unfortunately, the the rates weren't right. And that's the other side of it. You can walk away from business and not kind of feel like you're letting the company down or kind of going, oh, great. There's, there's such a chase sometimes to go, oh, it's more important to get a new client on than it is to maximize the potential of an existing client. And we looked at that one and said, you know what, this is what our pitch would be. Um, we could deliver an amazing service for you on that because you're saying your service isn't delivering. There weren't the finances to do it. And that's absolutely fine. The relationship wasn't harmed. We, we move forward. I think it's so much, it, it's so empowering to be able to turn around. If I know I have something come in that one of the members of the community can deal with, I'm not giving it to a team where it might go to somebody who's been there three months or six months or a year. I'm not giving it to somebody who may care or may not care or who might secretly be looking at jobs elsewhere for themselves. I'm giving it to someone else who's passionate about their own business, who wants to deliver on it and who will deliver on it. And long may that continue. You know, it's working, it's working so far and I can't see why any reason why it would stop. Mm. Okay. Well, so, I think being, like I said, working with experts is the easiest way because you learn all the time, you develop all the time. But also, as I say, it's it's those moments where you want to maximise the client. Everybody wants to. They want to be able to deliver if a client needs their help, and being able to turn around to somebody who you know you can trust because actually it matters to them because it's affecting their actual back pocket as well as their own reputation. It's it's just brilliant. Um, and I can see why we're attracting more members and having more conversations all the time. Awesome. And if you were to if you were to pick out for calling the hundred million hundred million pound question, like what's the key thing we need to get right over the next five years from, from what you've experienced so far or just what you think? What's the what's the number one thing that we need to get right? The number one thing we need to get right is understanding our audience. Um and within that comes diversity. I think it is the one of the biggest talking points in many, many sectors at the minute. Um, I don't just mean gender diversity. I don't just mean race diversity. I don't just mean disability diversity. We need to have people at the table with a voice that we don't have. You know, I, I think no matter what you're doing in life, you can believe you're getting it right. I was speaking yesterday to somebody who had run a disability charity for a number of years, set up a new initiative and got it wrong because they believed what they were doing with the exact right thing. And actually, what the residents wanted was something different and it's they'd heard about someone else doing this they felt it was brilliant we'll copy that wasn't what the residents needed and so they were brave enough and strong enough to stand up and go we made a mistake this is what we're going to do next time and i think that's probably the other the other side of the coin you've got to get your diversity right and if you're not getting it right you've got to be willing to stand up and say at the moment we're not where we want to be we understand this is where our position is we need more voices at the table and we're going to work to change that and I feel that the more voices we can get at the table, who can share ideas, who can deliver on the importance of the wider community in terms of the British and global community, the more the more voices we can get in that space, then the better it's going to be for for us and for our customers' uh, learning and journeys. Yeah, I really hear you. I mean, we, we can definitely do better on diversity. I mean, we are... <laughs> at the moment a group of guys which is i mean i think we are we have diverse characteristics outside of our gender but i think oh, that but but we do need to do a, a lot better job of spreading that gender diversity and other diversity but you look at what we're putting out on social media it's making we are aware of that you look at what we're talking about here we are aware of that 
it isn't something we're shying away from. It's something we're facing head on and saying, look, um, you know, I've seen some of the other stuff out there actually with a couple of people from other podcasts saying that actually, why is it that in recruitment, there is that male female disparity? Why is it that particularly in leadership or in owning your own business, there is a big gender divide? What can we be doing? Um, and a lot of that comes down to maternity leave and, and comes down to other benefits. But I think also it comes down to how well people have been empowered. And I'd love to see us get a female member sooner or later. I'd love to see us get more diversity in terms of ourselves. Um, what I mostly want to do is empower people to believe that they can do this. Because mm-hmm. I think when people get started on the journey, they'll realize what they can deliver. And it, w- once you get started, it's a no-brainer to continue. Mm. Well, Matt, well, thank you so much for today. And I think if I, what I've really heard today is this idea of empowerment and trust. Like if just if if and alongside getting that DNI piece right, which just underpins everything, but this theme of empowerment and trust really was really strong. So, thank you very much. No, thank you. And as I say, it's I appreciate you setting up this this venture in the beginning because it's uh, you know it it took me uh, a step. Yeah, it is a big step to decide to set up on your own, but what the community is delivering um, and what the, the empowerment that is given by all of its members is, is fantastic. So I certainly appreciate everything you've done in that space too. Oh, cheers, Matt. <laughs> no worries. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening today. And hopefully you've taken away one thing to think about or try. Let me know in the comments if there's something you'd like us to explore in future episodes or just reach out on LinkedIn or podcast at district4.io. Let's keep learning and building great companies together.